Morning Liberty. <sighs> Nate, do you smell that? What's that? Smells like freedom. Ooh. Yes. I like it. On this day, July 4th, 1776, something incredible happened. Something incredible happened to a group of people, to this nation. Something I think many people forget about as they celebrate this federal holiday. Probably one of the, it's actually the most significant holiday, I think, in human history. It is. And it's July 4th, 1776. Today is July 4th, 2019. What happened? Now, are you saying it's more significant than like Jesus's birthday? Well, Jesus was, I think, historically born somewhere in October. We celebrate December 25th. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about for the freedom yeah. of the people. Because even you. in Jesus's time, there wasn't much freedom. No, no. It's actually a good thing that America was born for, for that yes. whole thing because uh, we created a nation that had religious freedom. Right. So that, that was a big deal. And revolutionized human life for the first time in, in history. Now, there were some good English common laws, but... America took that thing to the next level, and I just, it smells good. Yeah. Waking up, smelling liberty and freedom, <laughs> there's nothing like it. So we're we're going to go through like the I declaration. Wo- wait, I woke up this morning, yeah. Nate, and I thought, I can do almost anything I want. Almost, because there's still a lot of government regulation. That's what we're fighting against. But still to this day in the world, you have the greatest opportunities here in America. And what we're going to do for you guys, because I think a lot of people forget why America was founded, what happened back then. This was uh, over almost 250 years ago, 1776 to 2019. Yeah. Math me. It's, it, I checked on my calculator, and it is, in fact, almost 250 years ago. Yes. Yeah. So, see, I'm, I'm spot on. I don't, <laughs> Cliff, you'll, you'll, yesterday's episode, go back and listen to it. Cliff has a math degree. And yeah. That guy's we should have asked really him good much. with numbers. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Literally, almost 250 years ago, America was born because of the Declaration of Independence. It's why we celebrate America's birthday, and it's why this movement of liberty is so important. If you go back and read the founders, Jesus, they were so good, so articulate. So uh, I'm going to read for you, and we're going to break this down, by the way, the Declaration of Independence, written by Nate. Here's a test. Uh, Ron Paul? Nope. Okay. Um, Thomas Massey? No. Barack Although Obama? I feel like, no. I feel like okay. the first two could have written it. Yeah. But who wrote? I'm hoping it was Thomas Jefferson. Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? James if, Madison? If you don't know this, you could just do a quick Herbie Google Hancock? And the main articulator was Thomas Jefferson. All right. <laughs> so uh, if you don't believe me, go Google it for yourself. But a lot of people contributed to this, but he actually, his penmanship. He was the executor, Mm -hmm. (laughs) executive editor on it. Yeah. So this is in Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13th of the 13 United States of America. At the time, we only had 13 states, Hmm. 13 separate sovereign countries, basically. And they decided to unite. So it starts out here, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them 
A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So this is, he's opening up this document and saying, we're declaring that there are times when you have to separate from your motherland, so to speak, because this is being sent to the king of the United Kingdom. And it's it's because of, he even says, the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. So he's saying this is a this is a human right. You, it's your moral obligation, yeah, yeah. actually. You have to. Yep. All right, so it goes on. Do you want to read some of this? You want yeah, me? sure. We hold these truths. By the truths. way, this is the most important part of the Declaration, I think, right here. Listen closely. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm, that's good. Mm. That to secure these rights, and it's going to go on. But, I mean, let's talk about that just right there. Well, the, let's take the first few words. We hold these truths to be self-evident. So the truths that he's getting ready to lay out here, they're self-evident. That means they come from God. They come from your creator, as he mentions later here. We, they come from your laws of nature, your human nature. These are just literally self-evident. It, it is the actual meaning of truth, which you can look at something and say, well, that if you say that's self-evident, then you really don't have to explain it. Right. It is truth. You see it. We we are endowed by our Creator with rights. We're, they're not given to us from another government or from another person. Or a piece of paper. They're not from other people to decide whether or not we have them. They're it's, intrinsic. Yes. Yes. Do you want to go on with the next one? You want me to go? Well, I was gonna. We, we should talk about uh, among. These, oh, the rights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Among these, these are just a few, but among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, the pursuit of happiness always gets a bad rap, but the pursuit of happiness, I think, it, it goes in when what Jordan Peterson would say is that you have these rights to life and liberty, but the, your pursuit of happiness is you have to adopt a responsibility for your life to pursue that happiness and and have a great life and liberty. And in the pursuit of happiness, it does not say that you Guaranteed. have the, you do not have the right to life, liberty and happiness. It doesn't say that. Right. It means that you have the right to your life. You have the the right to exist to to make the best out of yourself, to create what you can to to extend your rights and as long as you don't interfere with others, to me, that's that's what I see with, with liberty. That's right. just something that you're born with and that you can pursue happiness. Yep. You can pursue it, but it does not say that you will get it, it or that it will be provided for you. All right. So moving right along, um, this is the anarchist would definitely disagree with this next statement, yeah. but it's something that I, it's where I'm at currently. Um, so Thomas Jefferson goes on to say that... To, dis- to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men and women, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. What a powerful sentence. That's a good one. So what he's saying here, this is how America was set up, is that governments are a necessary evil, basically, and they must derive their just powers, meaning that government can have just power, but it can't be tyrannical because... Their just power has to come from the consent of the governed, meaning the people. So your politicians aren't your bosses. No. No one in government. The President Trump isn't my boss. Neither is your sheriff or any other local official. Nobody. You, the people, have a voice. And we talked about this yesterday in the interview with Cliff. Like, 
get activated in the liberty movement. You have a voice and you have, we can, we can make change because we are the people. We hold the power, the ultimate power. And I, I love if you just simplify it down, you can just say that government gets its power only through the consent of the governed. Right. Meaning it can only have power with consent of the people that it has power over. That's so good. And that is definitely not something that we uh, we hear very much from our politicians or from our government these days. Next, he goes on to talk about when governments become corrupt and when they become tyrannical. He says that whenever, whenever any form of government, so any form, that means city council, that means, uh, the, you know, the, the animal control, uh, if it's run by the government, you know, the, the dog catchers, um, seriously, the, it, all the way up to Congress, any form of government becomes destructive of these ends. It is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So there's a lot in here. So let's unpack this real quick. Um, I want to start by saying, I kind of, I kind of mentioned that any form of government. So that means literally any form of government, people that have power, because that's what government is. It's, they have power in the use of force when it becomes destructive of these ends, which means when it starts to destruct and destroy your rights, it is the right of the people. This is so important here because he already explained what rights were, right? Your rights are intrinsic to you. Like they come from nature. They come from God. So it's your right. And in fact, he's saying it's your moral obligation to alter or abolish it. And that's the way they felt during these times that it was their moral duty to say, King, you can't put a 1% tax on us anymore without representation. We're throwing all your tea into the harbor. That's a, so, you know, we talk a lot about the tea party. You know, I was doing some reading on the stamp act the other day, and that's something I think people, maybe they don't know a lot about. Um, but that was the, the British government putting its, uh, you had to have a stamp from them saying that you had paid your tax to be able to uh, transact any kind of document, any kind of document that went back and forth, your your mail, your contracts, um, anything like that. They had to have an official stamp, and that was the way that they were trying to tax the people. And this is where taxation without representation came in. And, and they did eventually get rid of the Stamp Act, but then uh, what happened was Britain... Uh, passed something, it was immediately after they dropped the Stamp Act and said that, but we do have the power to to basically say what, what we can and can't do to you. So that it, they dropped the Stamp Act, but but they then, it was like, a, you ever been apologized to by someone when they're like, I'm really sorry that you did that and it's your fault <laughs> and I still should have done yeah. what I did, you know? Right. That's, that was basically their their uh, apology where they dropped the stamp act. They're like, okay, our bad, but we totally had the right to do it, and we can do it anytime we want to. Right. So that's that's what these people were dealing with at that time. I think that's important to keep that in context. All right, now you're up. Okay, so we, we did this. Uh, let's see, you went through the safety and happiness. Prudence. Prudence. 
Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. Now this is, so this is a little bit of old time language, right? This is the way they spoke back then. I think it's elegant and beautiful, but to take this apart, um, prudence, which means it's, it's kind of like precedence. It's cautious, right? Prudence indeed. So basically experience and, and precedence will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transience causes. What he's saying here is that it's no trivial, it's no trivial thing. Yeah. Like it's not a light thing to change governments. It's gotta be a big deal. Right. And we shouldn't just willy-nilly just be destroying governments. And and we, we don't even think that here on Good Morning Liberty. Like, there's still a fight that we can have in, in the idea realm and in the activist realm versus going to war with our government because that's not a good thing to do. Like, violence, we should avoid violence at all costs. But once you've established that, that it's not a trivial thing to do, what he goes on to say is that um, when he's talking about the evil— and people suffering that instead of suffering and putting up with the evil because it would be hard to abolish the government, again, it's your moral obligation to do it. That's what he's saying here. You have to abolish the forms to which they are accustomed. So you're accustomed to the government. You're Everyone's grown up with the American government, yeah. right? Like, In fact, you learn in school that the federal government's supreme, even though that's not true. <laughs> it's not true that the federal government is supreme, but you learn all these things and, and police officers have power and all these people have authority and they have authority over you. And what he's saying here, what this declaration is saying here, even though you're accustomed to that, it's your moral obligation to not suffer and be uh, and, and let the evil continue because government is a necessary evil. It's so great how all this ties in together. It's so beautiful. He says in their experience has shown that mankind are they're they're more likely to continue suffering than to right themselves. And he says they're more likely to continue suffering while the evils are sufferable, meaning you can you can take it. You can handle it. It's not that it's not something that uh, you know that you can't take. Um, but he says that uh, while the evils are sufferable, then the right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed, meaning that you're more likely to just keep putting up with it instead of changing. And this I mean, this goes down to people's lives every single day Mm -hmm. you know if you're going to a job that you hate every single day you're more likely to continue doing that than to change your situation right most people are and what he's saying is that mankind are this is how they are that when things get bad they're more likely to continue than to change their situations yes all right so i'm going to read this next part and i'm going to go ahead and read it all the way through it's going to be a little bit long but he kind of embodies the same type of language and then we're going to get to them actually listing out the facts, which is absolutely incredible. All right, so bear with me here, but you need to hear all of this. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, 
all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. Now, wow, that's a damning, damning piece yeah. of literature right there. So it basically is saying the same things that that it is time that Great Britain has shown its tyranny and has caused so much injury and usurpation. It's the, the usurping of power. Right. So they're abusing. Basically, they're Great Britain is going outside the means of what English common law at the time said. And they were tax taxing the colonies without representation. They were, you know, they had soldiers in their homes. They were doing all of these things. They, what was it? They, uh, well, they, they were being, you know, there were no trial by juries most of the time either. You could just right. be, you were just guilty. If right. the, if the King said that you were guilty, they could know? go through your letters and stuff. They just come in your home and go through your stuff. Yeah. It's so crazy. And so that was the usurpation of power. And that's what he's talking about here. So he, and he lays this out. It's very damning. I couldn't even imagine when the king read this. Like he's got to be reading this like so pissed off with his cup of tea. I love the and, it <laughs> invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. Yes, I mean that's good. That's it's, really good. And he says it's their right and it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Yes, man, it's so good. I love it so much. So he's saying that that when they do this to you, when they have taken your rights, when they've taken your power, and they're just exercising their absolute authority over the over you and taking these God-given rights from you, that it is now your right, that it is the people's right, and it is your duty to throw off that government and to establish a new government. Now there are a lot of facts that he's that he's laid out, and we don't have to go over every single one of these. We'll. We'll go over some of them, um, and then we'll skip down to how he kind of closes the declaration out. But basically, he he lays out a list of facts. I haven't I've never counted them actually. I don't know how many there are. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but he's laid out quite a few of them. We'll go through some of them. I like the second one here. Yeah, it's really good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance. I mean that that's not even the whole thing. But just right there comes the notion that. We need to keep our governments small and local. Like that's what I hear in there, saying right. that you forgive, you have forbidden your governors to pass laws that are immediate. Uh, you know, because the people on the ground, the people that are local, they see the problems immediately. And at that time, well, they had to wait. They weren't allowed to pass their own laws. They had to wait for someone to get on a boat and travel for two weeks over the Britain and wait for them to decide whether or not it, they could pass the law or the king could could uh, issue the new ordinance, and then they had to wait another couple of weeks for that, you know, probably months when something happened where they needed a new, a new law, and they had to wait to see if it, if it was okay. Yeah, imagine if states had to get all their laws they pass approved by, by the federal <laughs> government, by Trump. Trump yeah. has to sign them, too. And that, so the governors he's talking about here, these are the governors of the colonies, the governors of the states at the time. So Pennsylvania, North and South Carolina, uh, the, the 13 original colonies. So those, they had governors, they had, you know, Congress basically, um, but they weren't allowed to do anything unless the King signed off on it, which is absolutely terrible. Um, so let's go through some of these others. Uh, he has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with, with manly firmness, his invasions on the rights of the people. So another thing, again, 
constantly invading the rights of the people. And what does the king do? He just dissolves the houses. It's like, he, oh, well, you're trying to say that what I'm doing is wrong, so we'll just get rid of you. Yeah. So <laughs> so it's like if you had your House of Representatives and the people that were that were representing you in Congress, and if the president just had the authority to say, well, yeah, I mean, I don't really like what you're saying, and you're saying what I'm doing is wrong, so you're no longer representative, and uh, we're just going to do what we want. Yep. So that, that's what they were dealing with. All right. Give us some more facts, Nate. A couple more. Well, I'm trying to see which one to see. He has endeavored. Got, uh, what do you got? I got another good one. Okay, go. So so I want you to think about how we set up our judge system. Um, That's so, what I was about to So the king, ahead. he has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. So uh, what? But, oh, sorry. The next one's better. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. So what the king did, so so if you got to know the history of this. So not, uh, seven, about seven, eight hundred years ago is when people started to see a little bit of liberty in their lives. And at this time, you, you know, you had the Magna Carta. Before that, there was something else. People had some freedom. Uh, but what you saw is the tyrannical king would always keep diminishing people's liberty um, and he would always try to circumvent what, what the laws were. And so the, you know, the King Great Britain had established Eng- what's called English common law, which means you, you had some freedom of speech. You were innocent until proven guilty, all of these types of things. Well, what the King did, and, and this is kind of smart, but the way he did it to circumvent is he would hire all the judges who worked for him and he would pay them. And he would, if they did his bidding, then he would keep them in office, so to speak. And so the king was able to basically pass on judgment and sentences to people, uh, even though it wasn't necessarily a fair trial, because obviously the judges want to get paid and they want to have their job for a long time. We see this sort of corruption happening today. Yeah. It's not far off, right? I mean, you have like, you have, uh, you know, police officers that pull people over for all these unbelievable traffic violations that have nothing to do with traffic safety. I read a brilliant article today from a former, former police officer who was talking about how we have all of these traffic ordinances that have nothing to do with traffic safety. It's literally just a cash cow. It's corruption. That's what it is. And you have, you know, basically uh, police officers, men or women with badges and guns who have authority over you that are being used by the arm of the state to extort money out of you. And it's like, this same type of corruption happens today. And this is just the reason why we set our judicial system up the way that we did was because they, they learned this. Now the president does appoint all the federal judges, um, at every single level. And they do have a lifetime term, uh, but that's already established in the constitution. Um, and their salary isn't dependent on whether they adhere to what the president wants or not. And you can see evidence of that because so many, uh, so many federal courts have, you know, put a, uh, injunctions against what the president's done with his executive power and things like that. So that's the reason why that was set up that way. I like this when he starts, it starts to get a little quicker here. So uh, he says, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, 
he really starts laying out a good case here. And I love that one in there. What was this? For imposing taxes on us without our consent. Whoa, whoa. Hmm. What are you trying to say? I don't know. It's almost it's almost like taxes, like it's like taxation is actually theft. Hmm. Yeah. Or extortion. So it's pretty crazy that in the Declaration of Independence, for one of the reasons that we separated off from Great Britain, the reason that we fought the Revolutionary War, one of the reasons was that they imposed taxes on us without our consent. Man, what would you say to that today, Charlie? Is that something we're still holding on to? Well, like I said, I think that we still have some some avenues besides a revolution. To yeah. go about making liberty win still. I'm going to steal that from Young Americans for Liberty because <laughs> I like that hashtag. So if you just, you got to go down, please, for the love of God, you're probably bar- barbecuing today. Maybe you're making a drive to see some families or you're getting to listen to the show. When you have time, you have to go back and read this stuff and just look at the grievances that they that they aired out at this time. I mean, he goes through... God, we need to count this before we get done, please, and see how many there are because he literally goes through and he lays out all of the reasons why it is necessary for America to separate from a tyrannical uh, king. So, you know, transporting large armies, uh, he's, you know, all kinds of things, oppressions. So... Uh, there's about 30 things in here. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's good. So not all of them are super relevant to what we're doing right now. So, I mean, a, a lot of them, you know, they're talking about the, the keeping the standing army ar- among them at times when they're not at war, that army being independent of of the uh, civil society, basically being that they, they were separated. They were not part of the neighborhoods or part of their colonies, that they were, they were independent from the colonies and they were there uh, standing armies from Great Britain that were there. So, I mean, all of these things, I don't think we have to go through a whole bunch more of them, but let's go down to the closing. So he starts out by saying, so he lists them all out. And then he says, In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. So what he's saying is, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, We're trying to seek a redress of these grievances like and of these oppressions. We're trying humbly to ask you and lay out the case and say, this is why we feel oppressed. And we would appreciate it, please, if you would lessen our oppression. That's exactly what he's saying. But then he goes on to say, our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. So they're making a claim to say, Hey, I'm hurt. And, uh, it's like, Oh, well, let me break your foot too. Yeah. You know, like my, in the Patriot, I love when, if you haven't seen the movie, the Patriots, great, especially learn this kind of language and how they spoke to each other. But um, right before they go in to decide if South Carolina is going to join the Revolutionary War, uh, Peter Howard, um, who gets on a stage and says that he served in the King's Army, and how did he get repaid? He lost. Well, sorry, he lost his hearing and his left leg fighting for the crown in the in the uh, French War. And how did King George reward me? He cuts <laughs> off my other leg with his taxes. <laughs> so, so while they, while they're being oppressed, the, the King just cuts off their other leg. So 
We got a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. What do you think the prince thought when he read that? I don't know. He might have been a little embarrassed, probably upset. (laughs) And what he's saying is he's not attacking the prince himself. He said his character. So the way that he conducts himself, he is a tyrant and unfit to be ruler. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of our circumstances, of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity. And we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. So, all of that to say, a great paragraph, some, some tough words there. Yeah, right? I, didn't, I uh, didn't like that. That, we don't, that you don't hear very often. Yeah. Uh, so I don't even know if I can pronounce them. So great job doing that. Uh, consanguinity that just means ancestors. So they're, they're talking about their British brethren here who, who the people that disagreed with them in the American colonies, because if you think about it, the revolutionary war was only fought for, by, by about 10% of the colonies, only 10% believed in this movement. Everyone else, as he mentioned above, was willing to go along with the evils because they didn't want to change governments. And so what he's saying here is they, we, they, they've appealed to them too. And they also, I love this right here. They, they too have been deaf to the voice of justice. God, that's so brilliantly written, which means they've ignored the fact that these, um, these oppressions have occurred to them as well. And so what he's saying here is like, as we hold the rest of mankind, these our brethren who don't agree with us, who live here in America, they're enemies in war as well. So he goes on to say, we, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now that's one heck of a breakup note right there. <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you what. Hey, it's... It's not me, it's you. <laughs> that's, that's what he's saying here. I mean, if you say it... Could you get that in text message? If you say it that, night and that nice and that politely, like, can you be mad after I, I, that? I don't know. I mean, you have to get that through text, and it's going to send... I mean, it's a pretty long text right there. Right. And you're like, I mean, 
I, I'm not even mad. I'm I impressed. Guess, I, mean, I guess she's right. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know what half those words were, but good, good job, good job. I mean, the way the way it was said. I love that he ends the way that he ends this here. It's just, um, again, I, to me, and I love history. I love the way that they write these things, and it's kind of hard for uh, you know for us to understand until you start diving into it. But I love the way that he finishes it out, and he just says, you know, we declare that we're free. We're no longer allegiant to Great Britain. You don't have any dominion dominion over us whatsoever. We can do whatever we want, and we're going to establish uh, a country and a people who are free, and where liberty is the foundation. And this document right here, by the way, what he said at the end here, we mutually pledge each other we mutually pledge to each other our lives. So that right there, because they knew the sentence for this document and signing your name to the bottom of this thing was death. Sure death. Not only that, a lot of these people were writ. So he all, he went to say our fortunes and then our sacred honor. So, because honor was a big thing back then, right? I mean, if you're going against the British crown, I mean, you have no honor. You're just a you know, a peon from yeah, there. Just basically. a lowly peasant. So literally these gentlemen were willing to give up literally, literally everything, everything. And I have to say it that way because, <laughs> because these were well-off guys. I mean, as far as oppression is concerned, they were privileged oppressed, Yeah, right? They had fantastic lives and they were willing to give all of that up in the name of Liberty to have what we have today. Like, just the magnitude of what they did, I think, goes so underappreciated. There's like there's no gratitude for it. And at this time, they were still now this was not exactly the formation of the federal government or anything here. This was the free no. and independent states that were that were declaring that they were independent. And it was still what, another ten or so years before the Constitution? Yeah, the Constitution like was eighteen. Was 80, it eighty six? When th- something like that? I think. 85 or 86, yeah, yeah, 9 or 10 years. So there was still some time here before they created their own massive superpower government, but uh, which which is uh, sarcasm. That's not what they were doing. So they declared that they wanted to be independent of, of Britain. And so I think on this 4th of July... When you're out there shooting off fireworks and you're you're talking about freedom and independence and, and liberty, that you need to think about what these guys were doing what this meant, you know, why did they do it? And I think it's a good thing for us to keep in context all the time because a lot of these things, we have become complacent and have started to allow our federal government to do some of the same things and actually probably worse, I would say. So not that I'm sitting here saying that we need to uh, start a revolution and send the federal government a really nice breakup text like this is. But we do need to stay mindful of the fact that we're going, we're going against, on a daily basis, the principles behind the Declaration of Independence and the principles that started the Constitution. So, uh, you know, take from that what you will, but that just means that we need to stay, we need to keep being activists. We, we need to keep getting the message out there. We need to keep making sure that we're doing everything we can to keep the ideology and the principles behind these documents going, keep them alive. Make sure the, make, make sure the remnant keeps, keeps going. I want to make a correction. It was 12 years. 
Okay. June of 1788, New Hampshire became the ninth of the 13 states to ratify. So once that happened, then the Constitution became the law of the land. Okay. So basically, uh, basically 12 years later. There was Articles of Confederation before that where they tried to kind of create some type of central system. A lot of them were so against, especially Thomas Jefferson, against the centralized system because they knew that if you concentrate power at the center of something, it'll just want more power. And ever since the Constitution was ratified, that's all we've seen. The federal government get more and more and more power. And they've been dismantling liberty inch by inch, just little by little. It's like, oh, well... You know, all we're doing is banning bump stocks. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's no big deal. You don't need bump stocks yeah, it's just anyway. just bump stocks. You don't need those. Right. And so then you get rid of that. Well, now it's illegal to have bump stocks. Now they have an in. Yeah. They've got power. You know, I talked about traffic earlier. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's not, it's not that you can't drive your car. We just want to make sure you use your turn signal. Not that it may do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but then you give that, like you start to give all these little pieces up and eventually little pieces to the puzzle become one giant mother puzzle. <laughs> exactly. I just bleep myself out. At exactly. The end. Sorry, mom. <laughs> but <laughs> you did bleep yourself I, out. Yeah. I bleep so. myself out, but I, we just get so passionate about this, but I hope you guys have a great 4th of July. I hope that you're cooking some steaks. Maybe you're out the lake. Um, but I just want you to remember what these, what these gentlemen sacrificed and be grateful for the life that you have and be grateful for, for Liberty. If you look at the bleak history of the human species, uh, we've we've only been really free for not even 250 years yet. And while this is still the greatest country in the world with the most opportunity, there's a long way to go to reestablishing liberty. And I just want you guys to think about and appreciate uh, where your liberty came from and the rights that you have and and what these guys went through making this declaration of independence. It's no trivial matter whatsoever. And I think a lot of people do forget that. So we have to remember on one of the greatest days ever, America's birthday, July 4th, 1776, the declaration of independence. Well, that was good. You like that somber ending? Yeah. Well, that's not how we're going to end the show though. Cause we're upbeat people. So, Nate, uh, how can people follow us? Well, they need to go to Facebook, search Good Morning Liberty. They need to go to Instagram. That is also at Good Morning Liberty. You can go to goodmorningliberty.us and check out all of our new articles based on principles, economics, uh, today's so- social justice, and all the different pieces in the news. We we chime in on that. Uh, if you can't remember the URL I just said, just remember BernieLies.com. It will take you to the same place. That's my favorite. And if you're searching, if you're on the website right now, which we forgot to say earlier, hit subscribe or go search Good Morning Liberty in whatever podcast app. It will say the original Good Morning Liberty on it. Yes. No reason for that Yep. at all. Just the original one. I think we can go ahead and mention it. Yeah. Uh, there, There's a great organization called the 10th Amendment Center. Yes. Love those guys. Yeah. They do some really great work. Uh, they also have a podcast called Good Morning, Good Morning Liberty. So you'll... You'll see, though, when you search, like their podcast says the 10th Amendment Center under it, ours says Good Morning Liberty. Yeah. And you'll Uh, see that their episodes go back to late uh, 2018, last year is when they first started. mm -hmm. And ours go back to sometime in 2017. So that's why we put the original. Yeah. And uh, the problem is we took a break for a little bit. Um, I think they kind of came in and it's a good it's a good name. 
great. Right. You know, good name. They came in and have started a podcast, but we do have the Facebook page, the Instagram, the YouTube, the all of those things mm-hmm. for good, good Morning Liberty. Right. So, But we believe in, you know, liberty and freedom. And sure. If, you know, bring more people to the message. The more the merrier. That's what I say. Yeah. But it's ours. <laughs> yep. Property rights. <laughs> Trademark pending. <laughs> but anyway, guys, we can't thank you enough for joining. Uh, like Nate said, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating and review. We hope you guys have a great day on America's birthday. Have a great day and a good morning, Liberty. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.